Wake up in the morning, make you two sloppy eggs. Find a piece of cheese and put it on some bread. Have a cup of joe, and the next thing that you know, it's time for you to hit the road. Make my day, I like it in the morning. Make my day, and even in the afternoon. Make my day, sometimes in the evening. Make my day, and even when I'm sleeping too. Make my. All right, everybody, welcome back to Make My Day, episode 36. Now, this is actually a really incredible number. It is high. It is a high number, as a lot of the numbers lately have been. Uh, but 36 is particularly special because 36 is a square number. You might be asking, what is a square number? A square number is when you multiply it together with other numbers and you get a bunch of numbers as well. It's very fascinating, very fascinating. So in this case, 6 times 6 would get you 36. Uh, just look it up if you need help with that. There are math lessons online. Another fun fact about 36. Actually, it's a perfect score on the ACT. It seems kind of low to me. We got a great episode for you guys today. We have Kelly Hackman on the show. I've known Kelly for a long time. We went to school together, middle school, high school. Kelly is the author of innocentideas.com. It is a blog that you should check out. It is very interesting. It caught my eye, so I thought I'd have him on for a conversation. We're also going to talk about gym etiquette. A lot of people are getting really sloppy with their gym etiquette. Most of it can be attributed to the New Year's resolution effect. You have all these newbies coming in. They don't stick around for longer than a month. But if they do, I want them to know the rules. Also, we're going to talk a little bit about crafting the perfect morning routine. If you're going to change your life, if you're going to turn your life around, it starts in the morning. Actually, almost every day starts in the morning, unless you kind of blew it last night and you stayed up real late and partied, which could be good too. So, you know, everything is actually good. That is one of the first steps in turning your life around. So let's go ahead and get started. Let's hit some sports. While Super Bowl 51 is set with Tom Brady and the Patriots facing off against Matt Ryan's Atlanta Falcons. Should be a good one. High flying, number one offense versus the number one defense. Really incredible. Everyone's excited about that. A little sports business for you. Tiger Woods has switched from Nike to TaylorMade. This will be interesting to see how it affects his tournament play this weekend. Also, Russell Westbrook, triple-double counter, 23. And he got it last night in a fantastic performance against the New Orleans Pelicans. I did not know there were a lot of Pelicans in New Orleans, but that is a cool fact to know. Always good to know facts. And speaking of facts, if you're at the gym, you should not be sitting at the machines with your cell phone. You're on your cell phone and you're going through, I don't know what you're doing, you're on Instagram, I don't know if you're Snapchatting, I haven't even downloaded Snapchat yet because I'm not sure it's gonna stick around, okay? It's just a fad in my book. Maybe you're on Tinder, which kind of makes sense because you're working on your body, you're thinking about getting your body up next to someone else's body, that's kind of a relevant train of thought. Regardless, get off your phone because I'm trying to work on myself and you are distracting my flow. I got a flow, I've been working on my flow and you are getting in the way. So please everyone, listen to me when I say this, don't be on your phone at the gym. Unless you're just listening to music, which a lot of people do, that's fine, that's totally fine. Actually, that's just fine, it's fine, don't worry about it. Well, speaking of fine, I would like to talk about our fine sponsor, Velveeta. Velveeta is the number one American cheese brand in the world and it is time for you to start stocking up next week is the Super Bowl, not this Sunday, the next Sunday. But mark my words, if you wait until next week, there will be no cheese. And then what are you gonna do? What are you gonna tell your party guests? We don't have cheese, we have hummus. We have hummus, 
that's not football food. That's not football food. That would be tennis. That would be golf food. That would be, I don't know, doing anything else but football. Football, you gotta have the Velveeta, so that's why Velveeta is the official cheese of Make My Day Super Bowl Party 51. I'm getting tired This party really blows Nothing good to eat here Everybody American cheese. Well, just about everybody knows one of the most important things you can do to have a good day is to start it off right with a good morning routine. Almost everybody has one who's a successful human. Nicolas Cage, Keanu Reeves, Barack Obama, Jessica Simpson, just to name a few. So I thought I would break down some of my favorite things that I do in my morning routine, and I think that maybe you can incorporate into your morning routine if you have one. If you don't have one, adding a morning routine to your morning routine is a great place to start already. So number one, the first thing that I almost always do, I wake up. I wake up, waking up would include ending the sleeping, ending the dreaming, opening your eyes even. You open your eyes, you stop rolling around, you stop rolling around, maybe even you take off the covers. Now one of the biggest problems with this is that you have a snooze button on your alarm, if you didn't know this. Uh, I do. I, I used to when I was a lot less more successful, a less more successful, I would always snooze the alarm. I would snooze it a lot, sometimes so much that I would get into two hours of pure snoozing. That is not the purpose of an alarm. You don't set an alarm so you can ignore it for two hours. Actually, studies have proven that if you ignore your alarm for that long, then you won't even wake up ever. And you can even self-induce a coma, which is something you want to stay away from if you're trying to have a great life. Number two in my morning routine is generally to eat a big breakfast or a big brunch, depending on what time I've woken up. If it's afternoon, that counts as brunch, technically. Uh, you know, and if that happens, I don't judge myself because it's a waste of energy, but that's for a whole nother list. That's for a whole nother list. We'll get to that later. So yeah, eat a big, big breakfast. So the idea here is from an ancient idea around calories, caloric intake. So the more calories you eat, the more energy you have. So you want to basically fill yourself up so that you can just basically barely even eat any more and then you're gonna have so much freaking energy for the rest of the day after you take a brief little nap which is not necessarily required you don't have to do that you do want to sit down after you've eaten so much but you're gonna want to eat a lot a lot so I eat eggs I eat bread I eat eggs I eat bread and then I have a coffee and I make sure there's butter in there somewhere so yeah make sure you're eating a big breakfast that's definitely gonna help you fuel your day so the third thing is just to go ahead and start working. Whatever it is you do, whether it be going to a really high power banking job or whether it be going to a really high power position in the government, or maybe you're a best-selling author, world renowned, doesn't matter. It's time to start working. It's time to get to work. So these tips are going to help you set yourself up for a great day. Let me know how they go. Send me an email at makemaydayshow at gmail.com. I'd love to hear your feedback. All right, everybody. Today we have Kelly Hackman on the show. Kelly runs a blog called Innocent Ideas. You should definitely check it out. He covers a wide range of subjects, including personal development, which I'm actually pretty interested in if you have not uh, been listening to the show thus far. Uh, Kelly and I also went to school together, uh, middle and high school. 
Kelly. How are you doing? Oh, man, Marcus. Uh, thank you for that intro. I'm doing great. Great. I'm great as well. So it's been a little while since we've talked. What have you been up to the last few years? Yeah, good question. Uh, it's been a wild ride. I've done a lot of random jobs. I think at most recent count, I've had about 30 different jobs in my life. Wow. So all last year, I was working in rural Minnesota on the Canadian border for the Nature Conservancy as a wildland firefighter, which is not an accurate description. I was actually a fire starter, but no one knows that that's a career. Hmm. Yeah, we did prescribed burns and controlled fires for ecological purposes. And what is that purpose? Um, in that specific ecosystem, I mean, it was the tall grass aspen parklands and the uh, soil had been disturbed back in the early 1900s. And uh, then the settlers left because you couldn't grow anything there. So they plowed it up and left. And then all these aspens grew in so thick that all the like large ungulates like moose and deer and stuff couldn't even get through the forest. So we were coming through to burn down large swaths of aspen forests that were unnaturally thick. And, you know, it's good for the soil. Anywho, so um, I did that and... I really was just kind of in a place, you know, where I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do next, and I did, and it was a program called Praxis, yeah, which um, is kind of a nine-month anti-school boot camp for, like, college dropouts and kids who just don't want to go to college at all, which uh, is totally not, I'm not in their market. I went to college, I'm 26, and, um, but, so it's a three-month coaching and mentoring segment, and then you do a six-month apprenticeship at a business, and it's not an internship, it's an apprenticeship. The distinction being internships, you're meant to stay there for about a semester and then you leave. Mm -hmm. Apprenticeships, you go there to learn and you stay there and then you're supposed to keep working there because they're training you. It's an apprenticeship. Yeah, You're meant to stay there. So that really appealed to me just because I went to college and I learned a lot about rocks and mountains and my degrees in geography. And I realized no one cares about that. So... <laughs> Uh, Praxis was going to teach me actionable, practical skills that are, you know, usable in a marketplace, which um, my anarchistic, uh, capitalistic leanings have always predisposed me to be uh, attracted to. So um, I wanted to go into sales because I had misunderstood what sales was my entire life. Can you explain that misunderstanding a little bit? Uh, I mean, it's what a lot of people think. It's a, like a maligned profession that you have to be a smarmy, manipulative person who's like, you know, trying to sell a car or an old greasy case full of like trinkets that no one actually wants. And uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, you're just a liar. And um, you're just out to sell anyone regardless of if your product helps them or not, which is very laughable in the real professional world of sales. If you go into any professional sales department and say, we're just going to get them, yeah. uh, even if they don't need our product, you're going to have a very funny job interview. Um, and if you try to do that in real sales, you will see that that does not work at all. So what I, you know, and so I had that misconception. I think a lot of people still do. And what sales really is, is you are trying to solve someone's problems. Mm -hmm. That's all it is. And that really appeals to me because I like challenges and I really like helping people. And um, the paychecks aren't bad either. So I hear I'm not at that phase yet because I'm still in praxis. And I'm apprentice. Yeah. So you're but, still um, in praxis now. I'm still in practice for the next six months. Yeah, I've done the boot camp phase, and I just started my apprenticeship at a sweet company here in downtown San Francisco called PandaDoc. That's cool. So what do y'all do? do? Um, we're a SaaS company, which stands for Software as a Service. So we have a software that um, helps automate documents for businesses, whether it be like internal HR documents or contracts and proposals. And it's all digital, and our company's goal is to get rid of paper in business pretty much because it's 2017 and uh, it's just 
unnecessary and also it's bad for selling. So I'm a salesperson trying to help salespeople, salespeople sell more. It's kind of meta. And that's the other thing I'd like to clarify about sales is that everything is sales. Us talking right now, you know, everything is sales and that's not to be seen as a bad thing. Well, I've been, I recently have kind of become interested in that idea. And for me, I think there's some sort of dirty feeling that I need to release totally um and that's like i i completely agree with you and and like with your idea around you know helping people find the solution that they sometimes they didn't even know that there was a solution to their problem exactly um and that that solution can change their lives exactly (laughs) um yeah you're just explaining the unknown to people which is kind of cool too i mean it's it's the application of science really is what it is but i still i still like i don't know whatever it is i think it might be that that resistance that, you know, wants to stop everyone from doing anything, you know. And I'm glad you brought up resistance yeah. because um, what really spurred me to all this change and signing up for Praxis was reading a book called The War of Art Kelly, by Stephen Pressfield. Kelly, I'm reading that right now. I just put it down yes. before our conversation. <laughs> yes. So um, I read that before I applied to Praxis. And then I applied to Praxis and got in, which was cool. And their first month's curriculum was to read The War of Art, oh one of their God. pieces of curriculum. And I was like, this is too much synchronicity. I know. And um, I, was, I read it again. I was glad to. Um, such a great book for overcoming this concept of resistance. And, you know, I think what you're talking about, that dirty feeling you feel is what everyone feels who hasn't learned what resistance really is in their lives. Yeah. And for a lot of people, it's, you know, like, you're, it's a deep biological function, I think, fear of ostracism from the tribe if you change your ways. And um, whatever your tribe has been thus far in life, you know, um, everyone's has been unique and even their perception of it could be wrong. But, you know, for you to become someone interested in sales, you're, there's some resistance within you that perceives that your tribe could kick you out for changing your mind and being different all of a sudden, which is a, a total farce. Because um, there's an old quote, it's often misattributed to Dr. Seuss that says, you know, say what you want, be what you are, because those who mind don't matter, and those who matter don't mind. Yeah. And um, I think that's a good way to live, because people always flock to you if you're genuine. Yeah, I've I've come to sort of realize that myself. I mean, it's it's taken quite a bit, and it's been a roundabout way of coming to understand it, but but yeah isn't it always man yeah and that's part of the process we have to go through it that's your story arc yeah yeah i mean (laughs) i had this thought the other day walking to the bus it's like everyone i mean everyone wants to be successful by the time they're 20 they all want to be a unicorn uh, in in silicon valley parlance Mm -hmm. Uh, you know and (laughs) once you hit 21 or 22 and you're not that I think there's a huge tendency and you know I've lost friends to this like to just say like well I might it must be me you know there must be something that I'm doing wrong and I'll never get it right and that's such a bullshit uh thing to do to yourself so I mean oh yeah I've been there we've all been there and uh it's just it isn't that you're not worth it it's just that we haven't experienced enough we haven't failed enough as cliche as that is nowadays to say your story isn't interesting you're not an interesting person yet I think as Louis C.K. says, anyone under 21, you're just not interesting. And the only way to be interesting is to be interested. And so what do you mean by that? I mean, just it's kind of intuitive. You meet someone and you're like, hi, what are you interested in? And they're like, oh, nothing really. Like, I play video games sometimes. I sometimes like to go out and have drinks with my friends. And you're like, like, do you want to keep talking to that person? Like, no. But if someone's like, I'm really into like giraffe rehabilitation. 
like yeah. people who abuse drafts i hate that and uh i really like where i volunteer on the weekends at this draft farm and it, you know something even obscure like that yeah. that you don't actually care about is fascinating because that person is interested as all get out in something and uh passion attracts passion that's just the law of the universe well um just to go go back really quick so what i was what i was thinking when you were talking about those you know 21 22 year olds who maybe they're finishing college or they they wanted to be unicorns as you put it um, mm-hmm. and they and then they kind of come to the realization that they're not or they're not interested in dusting themselves off and getting back up and mm-hmm. i kind of feel like it's because there's not a lot of discussion around how to interpret life experience and how to grow from it and how to transmute a seemingly bad thing into something positive yeah right like taking the trials and tribulations and the $50,000 of debt you've accrued and spinning that into a compelling story arc to get you out of bed every morning. Yeah, that's not something that they teach you in high school. Yeah, I know. And um, I mean, (laughs) we were put through literal child abuse. (laughs) I don't exaggerate when I say that. Uh, Public schooling for most kids, and I don't want to generalize, but for most kids is a form of child abuse because you have to First, there's sleep deprivation, and then there's temperature, and then there's fluorescent lights and cinder block walls. Being forced to sit all day, which is our biological opposite of what we need to be doing at that age. And then, not only that, so you like certain classes, and then you only have 50 minutes to focus on that. Like, oh, Spanish class is over. I know you really like that. Now you have to go to calculus, and you hate calculus. Yeah, you have no choice. I mean, it's stripping all of the things that make you a resilient and interested person. And um, they're telling you, yeah, I know you're interested in things, but the way our society works in our eyes is that you should never follow what you're interested in because it's going to make you a failure. Mm. We do all this until we're 21, 22, and then you're booted out of the system, Yeah, which is actually defined as succeeding, getting, you know, getting your diploma or graduating, whatever. That's succeeding. And then the feeling that comes with you know, the Pavlovian reward for succeeding is this anomi, which is like a feeling of not belonging and not knowing what the next step is. So it's a very distorted incentive system, and humans work on incentives. That's what economics is based on, and economics is the study of human action. Yeah. Well, let's take this as an opportunity to kind of go further down the political conversation. You and I have a lot of similar views. Um, So why don't you take a moment to explain your political philosophy to everyone? So from a, I guess, political philosophy point of view, um, I don't think any human is fit to tell another person what to do. Yeah. I don't think we're going to find magical angels among men to rule other men. (laughs) I think that's been tried for about a few thousand years now, and we've seen the culmination. And uh, it's definitely been bettered Mm -hmm. the more we've gotten away from having direct control, you know, back from the pharaohs and the emperors and all that, all the way up to now where we have a what we call democracy. Um, it's just been less and less. And even the American Revolution is was a really good step and the Constitution was a beautiful moment in history. But I think humans have, at least certain cultures have evolved beyond that. Yeah. And now we're reaching the age where there's just so much information and so many possibilities that a rigid structure, bureaucracy, cannot possibly help human freedom or um, improve anyone's life any more better than business could. And I mean, what it comes down to is power. Um, Anyone in history that's ever had power has a vested interest in staying in power. Mm -hmm. I don't care if you're Gandhi, Barack Obama, Hitler. Um, 
you're in power. You want to stay in power, even because even if you think your your notions are good for people to follow, um, the purest intentions is not what they say pave the path to hell. Yeah, um, something like that. So I just don't think we're uh, we don't need that anymore. So I think a lot of people are familiar with libertarianism. You know, a lot of people are introduced to Ron Paul during his campaigns, but maybe less so familiar with anarchy or anarcho-capitalism. Would you mind explaining that a little bit? Well, I mean, I, we've kind of been skirting around it. I Basically, you know, anarchy is um, – the word break it down, an means without, and archy is um, – government over others so it's without government over others so there is no monopoly on violence is what it breaks down to and um i guess the three main tenets of anarchy that what we respect is you know private property the right to not associate with anybody if we don't want to and then you have the um uh the right to not be aggressed upon no physical violence taxation coercion what have you that's all anarchy is Anarchy is those three negative rights. Whenever I have conversations with people about this subject, and they're usually close friends because I don't want to go around telling everybody about this, a common objection is that it's just unrealistic. But my my belief in, in this philosophy is rooted in great optimism around human capacity. Do you believe that this philosophy is optimistic in its nature? I'm of the opinion that people on the whole are very decent and good. Yeah. So yes, I, I do think it's optimistic of you because my, I don't know what everyone else's daily interactions are over their life. I've done a lot of traveling and hitchhiking and meeting strangers and a lot of weird shit in my life. And uh, everyone overwhelmingly has been very good and kind to me and other people. I think humans on the whole, overall, 99.9%, maybe 99%, are good people and um, the one percent that everyone's scared about that's that's just always going to be a thing we're going to have to contend with and i don't think government does anything to really help that they kind of do the opposite i think they sow a lot of hatred and um these tribal systems you know what we call the democratic and republican parties are just two warring tribes and i think without that structure without the drug war i mean people talk about violence in america you take away the illegality of drugs, you take away all the money that there is in gangs. Mm -hmm. And when gangs go away, who's actually doing all the killing that everyone's so scared of in Chicago? It's all gangs. Mm. So, I mean, I don't, I don't understand this perception that day-to-day -day average people are just going out in the streets and shooting each other like it's, I mean, it, with revolvers on their waist. That just doesn't happen. It's very out of chaos. There's so much order. My commute... And walking through these crowds of people in downtown San Francisco, no one tries to stab me at all. Uh, even the homeless people are actually pretty amiable. So I'm not sure why everyone still has this perception of fear, which is what government is. Government is fear and anarchy is hope. Well, let's shift gears here and talk a little bit about Innocent Ideas, the blog you've been running. How did that start? Um, I've always liked books since I was a kid. Um, I read a lot. I took a lot of writing, well, a couple of writing classes in high school and um, college. And I just always w wanted to be a writer in a very closet way. And I just, whether we want to call it resistance, let's call it resistance. Um, I was just, it, it's, it's hard. I mean, anything worth doing that you want to do is hard. And I didn't want to spend the time uh, thinking, you know, spending all this time writing because that's the only way to become a writer. I found out is to just write a lot and it's going to suck at first for a while, maybe even five, 20, 10, 20 years. You could write and it sucks and no one will uh, 
connect with what you're writing. And that's the goal, I think, of being a writer is to really connect with other people and help them through your own experiences. Yeah. So, um, I, yeah, last August, I'd heard a couple of my mentors, uh, people I look up to, say they took a challenge upon themselves to write a blog post one day, every day for an entire year. And that really changed their life and like how they did. So um, I read The War of Arts on a plane ride back up to Minnesota where I was living. And I told myself after reading that book that I'm going to write every day for a year. And I have. I'm in the fourth month now. And uh, it's totally changed my life in four months so far. And I'm still doing it. I'm going to do it. It's made me more eloquent. It's made me read more because the only way to write a bunch is to read a bunch, for me at least. It's just, uh, and it's just helped me flesh out ideas that I've always known I've had, but I've never put on the paper. And uh, some ideas that I haven't known I've had. So it's like a process of self-discovery. And uh, it's like I said earlier, being interested in something makes you interesting. And for me, that's writing because my end goal is to write books like the ones I read when I was a kid that made me want to go out and make a story of my life. Well, Kelly, thanks so much for sitting down and talking with us today. I really enjoyed the conversation. Everyone be sure to check out innocentideas.com for some of Kelly's writing, covering all sorts of lifey stuff. It's good stuff. Kelly, thanks for being here. Yeah, I appreciate the time, and uh, have a good one, Marcus. Kelly Hackman, everyone. Incredible. Well, that's going to have to do it for episode 36. That has sure been one hell of an episode, heck of an episode, wild ride, wild ride. Thank you guys so much for sticking around. Uh, Once again, I want to invite you to go check out my Patreon page, patreon.com slash Marcus Brown. Other than that, you guys have a great freaking week. I hope you have a great weekend as well, and uh, I hope you're doing really well. Bye-bye. Wake up in the morning, make you two sloppy eggs. Find a piece of cheese and put it on some bread. Have a cup of joe, and the next thing that you know, it's time for you to hit the road. Make my day, I like it in the morning. Make my day, and even in the afternoon. Make my day, sometimes in the evening. Make my day, and even when I'm sleeping too late, my. Those who mind don't matter, and those who matter don't mind.